All right, so we are starting a new series tonight that I'm excited about that we are calling Block Party. All right, sound like a cool name for it, right? We've got a cool graphic. In fact, if you guys are here on Sunday morning, and we would encourage you guys to be here on Sunday morning, this is a series that we're going to be doing as a church. So not just here on Wednesday night, but as a church as a whole. And there's going to be a different spin on Sunday mornings than what we're going to be talking about here, but we'd encourage you guys to be here as well on Sunday morning for this series called Block Party. And so we are, it's football season, right? Anybody excited about that? Go Redskins. Any, any Redskins? Hey. Man, forget all you. Forget you. So whatever, whoever your team is, all right, if it's Redskins or if it's an inferior team, then um, you're excited about that. If, um, you know, with fall is just around the corner, who's excited about fall? All right, means your pumpkin spice lattes and whatever other stuff is fall. You get to rake leaves and wear sweatshirts and whatever, all right? And so along with that, that means tailgate parties and that means block parties and neighborhood parties and that means fall festivals and all that kind of stuff. And so we're jumping on board with that whole crazy season that we're entering into and, uh, and doing this series called Block Party. And so usually when, when someone throws a block party, the goal is they want to celebrate some kind of event, right? Or they want to communicate a message to an entire community. And so Wikipedia, here's what, here's what it says about block party. It says that often block parties involved barbecues and lawn games, such as Simon Says, karaoke, and group dancing, such as the electric slide, line dancing, or even the Macarena. So everybody feeling good? Come on. I feel like we've been dancing too much here. Anybody, who doesn't know this song? Raise your hand. Shame on you. Oh, I'm off. I'm off already. Come on, everybody. It's real simple. All right. Enough, enough, enough. Enough of that. Been too much dancing. How many of you guys literally, you've never heard that before? Okay, all right, you're lying, you're lying. Just for the record, I was in high school when that song came out, thank you very much. It's kind of my jam, as you couldn't, couldn't tell by my dance moves up here. So, but that is not the kind of block party we're talking about, all right? We are not bringing back the Macarena, thank God. And uh, we are not gonna be playing Simon Says in this room, thank God. That is not the kind of block party that we're, we're going for here. Um, but when we, in all seriousness, when we talk about the word or the phrase block party, we are actually using it more as a metaphor. And, uh, and the reason is because we believe as reckless and what we've been talking about since we started the year, that we are reckless, that we believe that we've got a message that needs to be communicated to our community. We believe that there's something important, something valuable that needs to be communicated with the people that live all around us. And it is a message that needs to be communicated to this community where 87% don't go to church and where there are 14,000 high school students within a 10 mile radius of this church that don't know Jesus. So there is a message that needs to be communicated. There is a void, there is a need 
to hear something incredible, something valuable. And here's the reality. For you and I, we have been put in the neighborhoods that we're in. We've been put in the classes that we're in. We've been put on those teams that we're a part of for a specific reason and a specific purpose. To share the goodness and the hope that Jesus offers. That's why we've been put in those situations. And you and I have been given the greatest message, the greatest news in human history, and it's worth throwing a party about. It's worth celebrating. And so over the course of this series, we're going to talk about not only this message and what we want to be able to do and what we want to communicate and how we go about doing that. But as part of this, we want to challenge you. We want to encourage you. We want to inspire you to where you take action, to where you see the opportunity and the needs all around you. And you feel like I've got a message that needs to be communicated to the community. And you go about sharing that. And we're going to have an opportunity as the series goes along to, to challenge you to, to take advantage of those situations and those opportunities. And at the end of the series, after we come back from fall break, we're going to have a night where we're just going to celebrate. And we're going to have baptisms that night. If you want to get baptized, we're going to do that. And that's going to be a great thing. We're also going to have stories where you're going to share things that you've done of how you've made an impact, of how you've served other people in the community, how you've been able to carry that message that we've been given into a community that needs to hear it. And so that's what we're going to be doing over the course of this series. But before we get to that point, we've got to understand what it is that we're communicating, what it is that we're supposed to be sharing. And the way that we do that is by knowing our story. Now, there is no doubt that, that stories matter, that stories are powerful, that stories impact people, that stories have the potential to inspire people, to encourage people, to challenge people. I mean, we just got done with the Olympics, and I'm sure if you watched any of the Olympics, you heard some of those stories of people who, those Olympic uh, athletes who trained and, you know, their backstory of how hard they worked. I mean, you see a guy, it's hard not to be inspired by a story by Michael Phelps, who wins 23 gold medals, 28 medals overall in, in history, in his Olympic history. And just to hear how over the last couple of years, how he kind of pulled himself back out of kind of the dark place that he was in and he climbed back and reached the top again. I was reading this week of a, a story of a young lady who's getting ready to get married and she spent her bachelor, bachelorette party with her friends and rather than doing like the typical bachelorette thing, she and all of her friends went and they served women at a local shelter and they pampered them and they served them and that was what, for her bachelorette party, that's what she chose to do. And I thought, man, how cool, what a cool story that she chose to do that. Maybe a lot of you guys have heard the, um, the, it was in the news last week of the Florida State football team went to a middle school, you know, hanging out with the kids or whatever. And this football player saw this autistic sixth grade kid that was sitting at the lunch table by himself and went over there and sat down next to him and just struck up a conversation. I thought, man, that's a simple thing, but I man, how cool is that? And honestly, this, is, this isn't anything revolutionary, but I mean, this is the kind of stuff that we ought to be doing every day. 
Like this is the kind of stuff that really defines what we've been talking about, about who we are as reckless. But there's no doubt, I mean, all of us can think of that athlete or maybe that person with a disability who's risen above that or that friend that we know whose story has inspired us. But as great as those stories are, I want you to know that you and I have a, as incredible as those stories are, have a better story than those. That you and I, if we are a follower of Jesus, our story involves the most dramatic change that could ever happen to anyone. This room is filled with people You don't have to look outside of this room to find the most dramatic, most inspiring, most incredible stories that exist. They they exist in this room. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, there is a dramatic transformation that has taken place. There are incredible stories. There are inspiring stories. There are stories that will encourage and challenge other people. You and I have incredible stories to share. You and I were dead, but God has made us alive. You and I were living in darkness, but God has brought us into the light. You and I were enemies of God, as we just sang about and talked about a few minutes ago during worship. But God has made you and I his sons and his daughters. You and I were on the path that leads to death and leads to hell. And yet God has rescued us off of that path. And he's put you and I on the path that leads to everlasting life. So I want to say it again. Your story and my story are the most dramatic stories of transformation that exist. And it's time for you and I to not only know that but to be willing to share it. Now, if we're gonna be able to to know our story and share our story in a way that impacts the community around us, there's a couple of kind of qualifying little statements or whatever that I wanna give that I think will help us get over maybe what barriers you may even be thinking about already. And so in order to do this, I I wanna pull up a couple of you. Cade Baker, come up here, dude. Reagan, come on up here. Luke, come on up here. So listen, here's a couple statements that I want you guys to understand. I want to use them as a little bit of an example. Here's the first statement. Your story is a great story if God is writing it. Your story is a great story if God is writing it. Now here's sometimes what we think. We think that our story is gonna be a better story if we're the author of it than if God's the author of it. And it's important for us to understand as we're thinking about and knowing what our story is, is to understand that your story and my story are not nearly as good with us as the author as it is with God as the author. Sometimes we think that if we've got control, if we can kind of make decisions, if we can do what we feel like is best, then we can write for ourselves what will be the best story. If we can just have the pen in our hands, then we can control and dictate what our story is all about. And yet the truth is our story only becomes great 
when God holds the pen and God's the one that's writing it. Now I think about for these three guys, and again, I didn't ask, ask them ahead of time to come up here. But as I, as I look at these three, and I know them well enough to know some aspects of their story. And I know that for the three of them, God is writing their story. God has, had, has a huge hand in writing the story that he is writing for them. And they're not by any means, are they perfect or any of that kind of stuff. But I know, I know parts of their life. I know areas of their story. And I can see where they have turned control of their lives and their story over to God. And God is writing as great of a story as they could come up with themselves. God is writing a much better story than they, they could ever come up with on their own. God is writing an incredible story in their hearts and in their lives. And it's only when you and I turn control of our lives over to him and say, God, I'm, I'm asking you to write the story that you want to write with me. That God begins to take the pen and God writes something significant. And the crazy thing is about the story that God, God writes is that it's got all kinds of stuff in it. It's got pain and it's got difficulty. It's got joy and it's got blessings and it's got God's favor and it's got difficult circumstances and it's got a lot of heartache and it's got everything in between. But when we allow God to write the story that he wants to write, it inspires people to love God more and to serve him. It causes other people to look at our story and say, man, that inspires me. Not because of stuff that they can come up with or what they can write, but because God is the one that owns the pen and God's the one that's writing it. So your story is only a great story if God is writing. Here's the other statement that I want to make. Your story is unique. Your story is unique. I would estimate that a lot of the reasons, maybe a barrier or something that stands in the way for many of us. The reason we don't share our story very much is because we don't really feel like we've got a story to share. Because we're good at playing the comparison game. And when it comes to our story and our past or what God's done or how impressive it may be, we look at other people and we go, man, it's not really as impressive as them. So then we disqualify ourselves or we feel like my story doesn't really matter all that much. And yet the truth is every story is unique, but every story is powerful. Man, I think about for, for the three of them, and I'm doing this on the spot too, but man, I think about Cade and I think about his story is unique. And if you were at Rush, you heard his story. You heard a part of his story and for him, he got saved a few years ago here at Reckless with us and he got baptized at Rush. And there's struggles that he's been through and struggles that he's going through now that God still hasn't fully brought him through. And there's you know, struggles on a daily basis that he goes through. And there's situations where God is molding and shaping him into the man that he's called Kate to be. God is writing his story and he's got a unique story, but he's got a powerful story. Now I think about Reagan and watching how much she's grown in her faith over the last couple of years and to see a 
a golfer who could probably kick all of our butts in golf. And some of the giftings and the talents and the abilities that she, got, that she has. And how God is writing an incredible story that is unique, but it is powerful. Now think about Luke and even stuff that he's told me over the last week about how God is changing him and God is speaking to him. And I'm watching God literally transform this guy's life. And he's experienced situations and his you know, family situations that he's gone through and other situations that he's experienced is different than maybe some of them. And different than some of you in this room. His story is unique, but his story is powerful. I don't ever want us to disqualify ourselves because we feel like our story doesn't matter in comparison to somebody else. Because we serve a God that's big enough not to just write the same story in, in each and every one of our lives, but he's powerful enough that he can write a much different story in each of us. And yet it all still points back to the same truth that God is a great God who loves us and who redeems us and who calls us his own. And you even look at people in the Bible and the Bible is full of all kinds of unique stories. Every story in the Bible of those, the people in the Old Testament, New Testament are not the same. And that's a great thing. You look at guys like Noah and Joseph and Joshua or you know, Mary, who these people in the Bible who were ordinary people and yet they trusted God and they walked in obedience to God and God used their lives and their stories to accomplish great things. But then you've also got stories in the Bible of people like the adulterous woman or you've got David or you've got Saul who made great mistakes and yet God forgave them and God still accomplished great things in their life. See, the point is our stories are unique, but our stories are all powerful. Our stories are all valuable. And what I think God wants us to do is rather than compare our story to each other and go, well, man, my story doesn't really have that, so it's not as good as yours. But rather we just go, God, what are you doing in my life? God, how are you changing and transforming me? How are you making me more like yourself? And we just see our story for what it is and we know what God's doing and we trust him And then we embrace our own story that God's writing because it's unique, but it's powerful. Thank you guys. Hope I didn't embarrass you too bad. Give him a hand. Man, I think about the Apostle Paul when he says in 1 Timothy 1, and he makes that statement. This guy who was killing Christians and doing all these incredible really horrible things. And he says in verse 15, he says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. And we sometimes look at our past mistakes and we feel like that disqualifies us. Or we feel like, well, I'm just, I'm the church kid. I haven't really experienced anything super crazy. And so therefore we feel like we disqualify ourselves. 
And there's all these different things and reasons why we look at our past or we look at areas of our life where we feel like, man, that little you know, area that I'm walking in obedience doesn't really matter. And yet all of these things, God uses our past and God uses those moments where we're just walking in obedience in the here and now. And we don't think it's that big of a deal, but God uses all of these different situations to craft an incredible story that's unique, but it's powerful. And all of us have a story that God is writing And it involves his love and his redemption and his ability to rescue any of us and to give us a story to tell to other people in our community who need to hear it. Now, what is it that our story should involve? If we're supposed to know our story, what exactly are we supposed to know? What does this look like? What is it? What are these aspects? What are these parts of our story? I think it comes down to three parts. All right, three parts of our story that really kind of comprise the the key elements, the key parts of this story that God's writing. Here's the first one. It's my life before Jesus. It's my life, it's your life before Jesus. See, our story has to involve what our life looked like before Jesus saved us. And to understand that you and I, were, we were lost in our sins. Maybe we were doing our own thing. We were living just the way that everybody else in the world was living. We didn't have the hope and the life that Jesus offered. And we can even understand that that's an aspect. That's a part of our story. That's who we were. And we can even understand maybe in a different way than we understood in that moment how not knowing God and not experiencing his love and his goodness, how that caused a void or that caused a disconnect in our life. But that's an important part of our story is who we were before Jesus entered the scene. So I think about for, for my own story, for my life. Man, I, I, was, I was the church kid, all right? Like maybe a lot of you, many of you. I was a church kid, grew up in a a great church, grew up in a great home. I wasn't that kid that was, you know, a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. I didn't spend time in jail. You know, like I I don't have that crazy dramatic story. And honestly, there were parts of growing up in my life where I looked and went, man, my story doesn't really matter because I don't have anything that just seems super dramatic. And yet, as I look back, I also understand that in that time of my life, before I knew Jesus, that there was a lot of things that this world had to offer that I tried to find satisfaction in, that I tried to find significance in, that I tried to make my identity. And it always left me wanting more. It always left me dissatisfied. Maybe for some of you, the part of your story is that's where you find yourself right now. Maybe you walked into the room tonight and you know, you're, you're trying to figure out this whole Jesus thing. You, you showed up tonight maybe because you're, you're searching. You're trying to find out more answers. You're trying to figure out, man, is, is this going to add any, any significance to my life whatsoever? Or maybe you just followed a pretty girl in here tonight and that's why you're here. I don't know. But 
when it comes to your story, the part of your story that you're in right now is what your life is like before Jesus. And maybe you're just, you're living life the way your friends are and you're doing what everybody else in the culture is and you're filling your life with the things that this world has to offer. And yet maybe for some of you deep down, you're wondering, is this all that there is? Is there something more? And if you find yourself in that place tonight, man, what an incredible truth to know that even though right now that could be, you may have walked in the room tonight with that being where you're at in your story. And yet you could walk out of here tonight having met Jesus, having understood that Jesus can transform your heart and your life. And really going from the first part of our story to really this second part of our story, which is this. How we came to know Jesus. That second part of our story is just that moment that we came to know Jesus, that we put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior. Maybe it was at Reckless one night when a bottle dropped to the floor. Maybe it was at Reckless like Cade. Maybe it was at Rush like some of you. Maybe it was at home one night. Whatever, when was that moment where you put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, where you realized that you could not live life on your own, that you could not solve your sin problem? that you needed a savior and you turned to Jesus and you said, God, I need you and I'm admitting my sin and I'm asking you to save me and you to forgive me. What does that moment look like? Because that's an incredible part of your story. That encounter with Jesus, that moment where you realize, God, I need you and I'm putting my faith and trust in you as savior. So for me, I trusted Christ when I was little, but it really wasn't until eight, when I was in eighth grade, when I was in middle school, where I, where I really took ownership of my faith and went, no, I believe this for myself, not because I know I'm, this is what I'm supposed to believe. Like, this is mine. I'm owning this for myself. And I remember everything changing after that moment. I remember desiring to love Jesus. I remember to... to that I, I wanted to live for him. I remember that I, I, I wanted to surrender every part of who I was for what Jesus wanted for me. What was that moment like? That moment where you put your faith and trust in Jesus as Savior? Because that is a huge part of your story. And then the third element, the third part of our story is how Jesus has changed us. What does your life look like since that moment or whenever that was that you, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus? What does your life look like now? And it may be a dramatic change. It may have been an overnight thing where all of a sudden you did a 180 and you found yourself not desiring the things that you used to desire. And, and I know there are some of you that have stories like that where it was an immediate dramatic change overnight. But for a lot of you, it wasn't like that. It wasn't this dramatic overnight where all of a sudden you were just a, 
a radically different person and everything totally changed. Maybe it was just appeared over the next few weeks and months and even years where God began to chip away and God began to change your life and transform who you are. But it is an incredible story when we're talking about who we used to be and when Jesus entered the scene and now who we are and how God has changed us and transformed our lives. And 1 Corinthians says that if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. And that means that we have become something we've never been before. And it means that even though we may not see a dramatic change overnight, the truth is inside, it is a dramatic change. It is an immediate change. God changes our heart and he changes our desires. And now he changes our purpose. And now he changes our identity and he changes our focus. And now we've got this new power that we never had before. There are so many things that change inside of us. And maybe we see that change outwardly, immediate, and maybe it takes a period of time. But the truth is, if God has come into our lives, then God has transformed who we are. And we are no longer who we used to be. And now we are someone we've never been before. And when we choose to share that, to say, let me tell you who I used to be and let me tell you what God is doing in my life. And I'm not perfect and I still make mistakes every single day and I'm learning to surrender my heart and my life to Jesus. But listen to the things that God is doing in me and not so I can pat myself on the back, but so that God gets the glory for this. But we've said this before that the greatest evidence that God exists is a changed life. What makes, part of what makes your story so dramatic is being able to say, yeah, I desired this and I lived this way, but God showed up and God changed my heart and I put my faith and trust in him. And now God's changing those things. And I used to never give a rip about who God was or what he wanted for me. And now all of a sudden I find myself desiring those things. And I would never think about getting on a plane and giving up my winter break when I could be at Panama City to get on a plane and go to Baltimore or go to Nicaragua. And now all of a sudden I'm looking going, man, I I, I desire that. I want that. God, I want to serve you in that way. And we we kind of brush it off and don't really feel like that's a big big deal. But that's, that's proof and evidence that God is changing and transforming our heart and our life. So many of us have incredible stories. I think we just sell ourselves short and don't really understand how incredible our stories are. Psalm 89.1. Here's what the message version says. It says, your love, God, is my song and I'll sing it. I'm forever telling everyone how faithful you are. I'll never quit telling the story of your love. So tonight, I want us to understand that you and I have a story. We have a story that matters. We have a story that's valuable. We have a story of what God is doing and transforming our heart. And it's a story that's worth communicating. And honestly, it's a story worth celebrating. It's a story worth throwing a party over. 
And as we go throughout this week, as we are this series, as we start to embrace our stories, we start to really believe in the fact that God is changing and transforming us. Then we're going to have those opportunities to be able to share that with other people. We're going to have opportunities to be able to, that God's going to open our eyes to see chances for us to serve other people, for us to put that into action. You may find yourself sharing your story with a classmate you thought, I would never in a million years talk to that guy and much less share my story about Jesus. And yet all of a sudden I, f- I, f- I find myself compelled to be able to share what God is doing in my heart with this guy. And my prayer as we go throughout this series is that so many of you are going to find yourself in that situation and it's going to freak you out. And you're going to be a little bit nervous and you're going to sit there playing games with yourself, you know, in class going, should I not? Should I? Should I not? Should I? No, I don't really think I should. And God's going to be working on your heart going, no, do it. Do it. Share your story. I've got something valuable that I want to use you to say. But it starts with us knowing our story and embracing it and believing that God is changing and transforming us. Because this work that God is doing in us is more inspirational, more incredible than any stories that you may find out there or in our culture. It is an incredible transformation that God is doing and evidence that he is who he says he is. It's just up to us to know it and to share our stories. Let's pray together. God, I thank you for students who are in the room tonight. I thank you for the leaders that are in. God, I thank you. God, as I, as I just look around this room and for the students that I know, for the leaders that I know, God, there are so many powerful stories. God, for every single one of us who have put our faith and trust in you as Savior, we have incredible stories. God, I pray that you would not allow us to dismiss it or to ignore it or to sell ourselves short or to feel like we're disqualified because it's not as important as somebody else's or whatever other barriers there may be. God, I pray that you may help us to understand that we've got incredible stories to share. God, I pray as we go throughout this series, God, that you may inspire us, that you may challenge us. God, that you may impress on our hearts that as we go throughout our community that is desperately in need of your hope and your love. God, that you would give us those moments to share our story. God, that you would impress on our hearts those situations, those needs that are there where we can jump in and we can take action and we can serve other people. And we can communicate this message that you've given us with a community that needs to hear it. God, I pray for students who are in the room tonight who have never put their faith and trust in you as Savior. God, who are sitting in here tonight, who are trying to figure this, this thing out, who are trying to understand, do you really love them? God, I pray that tonight, that even though they may have walked in here not knowing you, God, that tonight they would put their faith and trust in you as Savior and that they would walk out of here with everything changed inside of them. God, we love you and we thank you for who you are and we praise you in Jesus' name, amen.